Hey, welcome to another episode of Spiritual Life and Leadership. Uh, this is the podcast where we explore the ways that faithful spiritual leadership flows from a life of faithful spirituality. And uh, I guess I want to say that by spirituality, uh, what I mean is all of life, your whole life, right? Not just the so-called spiritual stuff that we do. Things like pray, read the Bible, worship, uh, that kind of stuff, right? But all of life, right? when you're making a sandwich, taking a nap, sweeping the patio, playing poker with friends, watching a movie, right? Listening to music, playing a game of pickup basketball, reading a great science fiction book, which is something I like to do more often than not, <laughs> right? All of this. All of this belongs to God. And as we surrender all of our life to God, we then can become the spiritual leaders that we were meant to be. Our spiritual leadership was meant to flow from a life of deep, uh, intimate spirituality, connection, and union with God and with Jesus. Now, today I'm going to be talking with Kay Schneider, who is all about all of life discipleship. Kay has been working with the 12 steps, which of course is most often associated with recovery from alcoholism and other addictions, but she's been working with the 12 steps as a process for deep discipleship, and mixed in there is recovery from all sorts of addictions, as Kay will uh, explain to us. Uh, you know, so often churches focus on giving people information Right, making sure they've got good theology or apologetics, uh, offering Bible studies. Uh, but the reality is that information generally does not lead to deep inner life transformation. It doesn't hurt to have the information. But Kay shares about how the 12 steps have deepened her own discipleship and how she now uses the 12-step process to help others experience their own deep spiritual inner life transformation. I'm Marcus Watson, and this is Episode 11 of Spiritual Life and Leadership. Kay Schneider is a marriage and family life educator, or as her daughter likes to say, a coach, right? Correct. Correct. Hi, Kay. Hi, Marcus. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm well. Good. Thanks for having me today. Yeah. So I wanted to uh, talk to Kay because Kay has a lot of experience with um, the 12 steps and with recovery and addiction and has some really cool thoughts on the 12 steps and recovery uh, in light of discipleship, in light of following Jesus. And um and how that can be a benefit to us. I, I won't say too much. I always do this at the beginning of a podcast. Mm -hmm. I start, start saying too much I, before I, I let the guests say stuff. <laughs> you and Sean Hannity are in good company. Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> I might have to edit that out. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. So um, let me start just for introduction's sake. Uh, I'll ask you a few quick little questions. Um, okay. uh, this is the first time I'm doing this. I wanted to try this. Um, but... What would you say is a job that you're terrible at or you would be terrible at? Anything that has to do with technology. Mm, yeah. It is a mystery to me. <laughs> I have goblins in my computers and it is always a source of uh, <laughs> trial. Yeah, yeah. My brother is my tech support, so uh, I'm yes. glad to have him. Yeah. Uh, when do you feel truly alive? When I'm with people, when mm. I am 
speaking with or working with people, mm-hmm. it energizes me. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, okay, here's a good one. If your life was a book, what would its title be? That was an easy question. I oh. have decided that when I write my book, it will be From Grief to Gratitude. Mm, from Grief to Gratitude. Yes. Oh, there's some stuff to unpack there, perhaps. It, huh? it is the story <laughs> of your life dream that goes south and mm. grieving, learning the process of grieving, and then coming to a point of seeing God's best in it for wow. you. Wow. In spite of losses. And are you writing this book? In my head. In your head, okay. And someday. I've been okay. challenged to do some writing on this, uh, so someday. Okay, someday. Okay, good, good. Someday you can come back and talk about your book that just okay. got published. <laughs> um, here's another one. Okay, uh, what's the title of the current chapter of your life? That is tough. I, um, I'm in my older 60s, and I went back to school after the grief period of my mm-hmm. life. And, um, and now working in the field of recovery, it's odd to begin a career at the same age I can get Social Security. Mm-hmm. And so, like Moses, I compare myself to he didn't start till he was 80. I will be 70 by the time I get my doctorate wow. <laughs> in recovery. So it's maybe in the wilderness. Mm, in the wilderness. Kind of on yeah. the way. On the way. Okay, good. With a lot of unknowns. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a hard but good place to be. It is hard yeah. because we're such a culture of five-year, ten-year goals, knowing yeah. what you're doing, have your plans. Yeah. Uh, people start conversations with what do you do. Yeah. And so mm. there are certain expectations that you feel you should have an answer. And yet, uh, I've learned through the recovery process that I can only have one day at a time. Yeah, that's and good. And Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow because yeah. today has enough trials of its yeah. own. Yeah. So learning to trust one day at a time with yeah. the manna in the desert. Yeah. That's good. That's good. That's good. It's a process. It's a process. Um, all right, last one of these first kind of opening questions. What would a mirror opposite of yourself be like? <laughs> <laughs> a mirror opposite would be uh, an introvert. Mm. I thought everybody was outspoken and extrovert. I didn't know extrovert, introvert till some okay. years ago. But uh, people who withdraw mm. and are drained by relationships oh, okay. because I truly am energized by okay. them. Cool. Uh I don't know that I'm the mirror opposite of you, but yeah, I, I, I get, I, I love having time by myself and mm. I like crowds, but not, not all the time, <laughs> not too much. Yeah, so. And it's interesting yeah. how many people I've learned that are professors or pastors mm. who really are introverts yeah. and yet God's calling on them, right. Right. stretches them out of yeah. their comfort zone or, um, they, yeah. they can do their task in their gifting for a period but then they need to go and recharge yeah when i was uh when i started like my first sunday at my last church um we had a reception afterwards Mm. and uh there are all these people you know sitting down having meals and i'm the new pastor and i looked at this hall full of people i'm just like okay I'm going to pretend to be an extrovert for the next half an hour. Right, right. <laughs> and so I just went around from table to table shaking hands. And I'm like, I can I can do it for, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes, and then I'm going to go sit down and And relax. it's draining, yeah, right? It is, yeah. For me, it would be, oh, good, yeah. I'm meeting new friends oh, all the cool. time. That's cool. I took the StrengthsFinder yeah. assessment, uh-huh. and I'm a woo. Oh, yeah. Okay. Which I didn't know what that meant, but everybody's a friend, and yeah. no one's a stranger. And it was it's winning others over, right? Oh, yes. I yeah. guess it is. Winning yeah. others over. Ooh. But 
um, also inviting and engaging mm. with no strangers oh, in cool. my life. So that's cool. that was an interesting um, experience. Nice. Awesome. Well, cool. Well, um, I want to get into what we're going to be talking about today. So okay. um, 12 Steps, Recovery, Discipleship. Um, why don't we start? Why don't you just tell us a little bit about uh, well, how you got interested in the 12 steps. Um, what drew you into that? Yes. Um, I was thrown into it rather than drawn into mm-hmm. it after a 27-year, what I believe to be Christian marriage. I found out there was addiction in our family system. Um, and through the process of a five-year divorce, I started going to therapy and things were found out. And the therapist suggested I go to a 12-step group, the, the Anon groups, like S-Anon or Al-Anon. Those are for the families of addicts. So I was thrown into that. It was horrible in the beginning because why should I have to go if someone else has the addiction? Yeah. And yet it's been one of those great gifts that God uh, uses yeah. because in the family groups, you find out that an addiction is a family system mm-hmm. disease. Nobody is um, unaffected if there's an ad- addict or we always think of an addict as a substance addict. Those right. are the ones I knew about. Right. You know, alcohol was the big one. Yeah. But there are many behavioral addictions. Mm. There are many thinking, addictive thinking processes, um, things like work. Um, I think I had a list that I was going to ask you. Yeah. Drinking, drugs, we all know those are addictions, Mm -hmm. right? Going to the movies, performance, relationships, religion, shopping, Mm -hmm. housekeeping. Mm -hmm. Could those be addictive? Interesting. And they are. They Mm -hmm. can be, depending on the motivation behind it. Right. So I became fascinated by it. I was more intrigued because how did I miss all the signs of having a dysfunctional family. Yeah. I just thought having four kids and busyness was the norm. Right. And so I went to school and that's where I was called into school um, to look at what is recovery. Because right. when you have the breakdown of a family system due to addiction, well, for me, I yeah. wanted to figure out why. Yeah. And my education background prompts me to say, how can I teach others to be mm. more aware? Yeah. So that they don't suffer. Right, right. What we suffered. Yeah. And so how long now have you been studying and working with the 12 steps? I started the 12 steps probably around 2005 or 6, so 13 years. Okay. I went back to school at Fuller Theological Seminary in 2009 for a recovery certificate. That was the first door God opened. I had had no idea. Um, Mm -hmm. But his voice in the wilderness while I was in the desert out of Hosea 2 said, I'm opening a door of hope. Mm. And I applied to Fuller for this certificate. I ended up with a master's degree in psychology with marriage and family education as a second track. Mm. And then I went back and got a master's in theology for recovery ministry. Oh, nice. So I've been studying now since 2005. That's a long time. (laughs) But it energizes me. Yeah. Because um, one of the promises in the 12 steps say that you won't regret the past Mm. and wish to shut the door on it. And at school, I began a group called Vital Connections, which 
put on events, educational events quarterly at the seminary on different dysfunctions, mm. addictions, abuse. We brought in speakers. Mm. So my whole um, passion for educating yeah. was fulfilled. And then I um, started a small group studying the 12 steps. Mm. There's a professor, Dale Ryan, at Fuller in the uh, recovery ministry at Fuller. And okay. he had written a book called Spiritual Kindergarten. Mm which was a very elementary beginning look at how Christians can walk through these steps. And so that was foundational. And I began a group. So I ran a group at school for three years. And then um, six years ago, I started a group in Chula Vista in Mm. the South Bay of San Diego. And about four years ago, I started a second group in Coronado. Wow, cool. So... So it's uh, it's growing, and uh, more people are learning. It's growing. It's exciting. Mm-hmm. Along the way, I've joined a family life coaching association, cool. which is again an educational uh, venue. Mm-hmm. How to teach healthy relationship skills? Mm-hmm. That is my goal. Nice. Addiction. We usually think of it's a gambling, or it's a yeah. drug, yeah. or alcohol, and yet the dysfunction of addictive thinking. Um, leads to family behaviors that are not the healthiest. We cut off. We stop speaking to someone we're mad at. We hold on to bitterness and resentment. Or we do everything for everybody because the need to be needed can become addictive. So without labeling, how do we have healthy relationship skills? Mm. That's what Vital Connections teaches. Interesting. Vital Connections is your uh, ministry. It's my ministry. It was um, something God downloaded one summer as Mm -hmm. I was studying. The words vital connections, vital Mm -hmm. relationships kept coming. And then John 15, 7 says, if you're vitally connected to Mm me and my word continues to live in you. Nice then we can ask what we want and right. he'll listen and he'll work on it. Right. And so that became the theme verse, John 15, That's 7. Cool. So abiding and this vitally mm-hmm. connected. I like it. I've never Staying, heard it put as vitally connected. I like that. Right? Yeah. It's kind of a, uh, a Schneider paraphrase of <laughs> oh. <laughs> being vitally united. Yeah, I think awesome. abiding. That's but great. really, it's, it's not just sitting in a house. We can live with someone. We can be in a house. But if you're not vitally connected, yeah, yeah. if you don't have authenticity, yeah. safety, and um, intimacy. Yeah. But who? I thought intimacy was what my parents had, and the result were nine kids. Mm. Wow. <laughs> um, I did not know of intimacy in the level of feeling safe to share your heart yeah, and your yeah. thoughts and your mind. Yeah. And so a lot of families that I know of live together, function together, but they are not vitally connected, and it causes incredible stress on marriages. And that, in turn, has great um, effects on children and their feeling of safety and being valued and loved. So it is a whole family dynamic. So intimacy and authenticity are our goals. Yeah. So tell me about uh, the 12 steps, just for anyone who's listening who maybe isn't totally familiar, just kind of briefly, what are the 12 steps? Yeah, the 12 steps um, are actions that you take. Dale Ryan, Professor Ryan, says 12 steps are not thoughts or concepts or principles. They're actions. Mm -hmm. And the first three deal Mm -hmm. with your relationship with God. It is, um, there is a God. Mm -hmm. And Basically, we have to learn that it's not me. Yeah. Um, they 
talk about surrender, which is all church language. And so um, when we talk about the steps, it deals with God. And then looking at myself, four through nine are all about looking at my inner self where the scripture says, Mm -hmm. search me and know me, O God. See if there be any wicked ways in me. Those steps deal with, uh, they call it a fearless moral inventory. Mm -hmm. Looking at my shortcomings, my ways I've harmed other people. And then they go into confession. And eventually steps seven through nine are about making amends to others, Mm -hmm. which scripture says if you have something against somebody and you're coming to the altar, then you need to go and make amends. The biblical term isn't amends, but that's basically what it is. And then the last three steps are about strengthening that, that by prayer and meditation, Mm -hmm. I will consciously seek a relationship with God Mm -hmm. to know his will. So they're very, very biblical principles that were put into secular language as tools to help people that were suffering with dysfunction, whether it's alcoholism or sex addiction or gambling or codependency or workaholism. Endless numbers of ways our behaviors get out of balance. And the 12 steps are steps, actual steps, for me, how to apply biblical truths. Yeah. In a healthy way. Can you just name the 12 steps just real quick, just the list of... Can I name them? I have my list. I'll read them. Yeah. So number one, we admitted we were powerless over people, places, and things, and that our lives had become unmanageable. Hmm. Number two, I came to believe in a power greater than myself that could restore us to sanity. Three, I made a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God as we understand him. These are all we, Mm -hmm. but I'm reading I. Mm -hmm. Number four is made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Mm. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, we humbly asked God to remove our shortcomings and made a list of all the persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Step eight is making that list mm. of people that we had harmed. Mm. Number nine is making direct amends. You go to that person whenever it's possible, mm. except when to do so would injure them mm. or yourself. Mm. Number 10, you continue to take personal inventory. And when you're wrong, you promptly admit it. Yeah. So that's an ongoing Number 11 is we sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for his knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12 is having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to others and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Wow. I mean, uh, and I've I've had this thought before, but it sounds like the life of discipleship. I mean, you start with recognizing your own sin, Mm -hmm. and then you you acknowledge it, and you confess it, and then you... um, and then there's this ongoing, <clears throat> like the, the the things that you keep doing over and over until eventually you bring healing to other people as well. You experience the healing and then you bring healing right. to others. And God is a part of that the whole way through. Yes. And somehow in my experience of being raised in a, a Christian church and then being in a fundamental and Bible churches for 40 oh. years, over 40 years, the how do I do this? Uh, you're told to forgive. Mm. 
Jesus says, follow me. Okay, what does that mean? How many churches actually have discipleship programs that aren't like a 12-week book? Yeah. And you do the 12-week book and you move on. And how does that really look? And so when I got into these 12 steps through a secular group, it was amazing to find these principles and go, God, as I understand him. A lot of Christians I've talked to about 12 steps don't like that phrase, God, as I understood Mm -hmm. him. Or a higher power. Why can't they just say Jesus? Well, Jesus is great if you're a Bible-believing Christian, but it's pretty offsetting to people who are lost, people who are atheists, people who are searching. So the language of God, as I understand him, or a higher Mm. power, is the first step of getting it out of me. It's something higher than me. Because if I think I'm supposed to control the world, which I did subconsciously as a mom, it was Mm. my job to run the the universe of my home and coordinate all my kids and my husband's business and expectation and schools and lunches and carpools. And yet you fall into a controlling where you think you really can control everything. And there's this illusion that you have a power. And so by admitting I am powerless over certain things like my adult child's behavior um, or her attitude towards me, you say there is a higher power. Okay, God, you have a better way. Yeah. How do I get there? Yeah. yeah. And so surrendering it. And so actually working through these steps, yeah. being told when you've been betrayed, you have to forgive that person because a scripture that says, right. if you don't forgive, the father won't forgive you. Right. Well, that's kind of a threat. Right. And it's confusing. And how do you right. forgive someone who doesn't ask forgiveness? Yeah. Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. And so the 12 the step process has four, five, six steps of working through that and yeah. really contemplating, where was I harmed? How did I harm others? Yeah. And what do I do about that? Yeah, I think it's interesting. So often we think of discipleship as learning about God or learning the the Bible, you know, and being able to quote scripture. Right. And, mm-hmm. and um, I was talking actually on an earlier episode with uh, my friend Jeff Shu, and he was saying that for him in his earlier years of, of ministry, it was more about getting people to act Christianly. Exactly. Right? Uh, and in that context, we were talking about what what is the gospel and what does the gospel really mean? But <clears throat> it's really more like this here doesn't tell us anything about what you should here, here's information for you to learn, right? There's no, this, the 12 steps aren't about, let us present you with all kinds of information. And if you learn this, then, you know, you'll be better. Um, and the whole uh, idea of belonging, of being in the Christian church. Yeah. If you believe a certain thing, then you belong. Mm, yeah. Okay. So what if I don't believe yeah, yet? Yeah. How do I belong? In the 12 step program, you humbly come in and go, you know what? I'm broken. Mm-hmm. There is something of stuff in my life I'm yeah. powerless over. Yeah, yeah. And you are accepted into a body of people that yeah. are vulnerable. Yeah. They are willing to share yeah. in an intimate way that I've never seen in the church. Yeah. Because, like you're mentioning, it's not information. I go to church and I go to a Bible study or apologetics Mm -hmm. class, constantly getting more information. But is it transformation? Does it give me a means of transformation? And that's what the 12 steps have done. They've taken biblical principle. They were 12 step history. If you study, it was started by a Christian group. And um, it gives me the process of transformation. I've heard pastors in classes on addiction 
say, well, why do you talk about the past? Because we're all new creatures. The old has gone away and the new has come. Well, that is a great spiritual principle. Yes. But I believe that the word sanctification is a process word. Right. And I don't just say, I believe in Jesus and all of my dysfunction or my hurts and my griefs are changed. Right. But in the 12-step process, you begin to say, oh, I I see these things that need changing. God, will you change them? Yeah. I've not experienced that kind of discipleship or depth of process learning in the church. Right. I, I... feel like the churches have become so programmed. Yeah. You've got a class, you've got 40 mm. minutes, you've got this. It's very top-led. Um, last year I taught a seminar on on spiritual giftings. Yeah. Because always churches say we right. want everybody to be part of the body and use your gifts. Right. Truly, a lot of church structures uh-huh. um, don't allow <laughs> for a lot of people to use their gifts. Yeah. Preachers and teachers up front, maybe. <laughs> um, if you're a female, you can go to Sunday school. Mm. But the idea that you actually are in a body where you have equal value, where you humbly yeah. admit your struggles, and where you hear each other's stories, yeah. that is a unique thing that I found in 12 Step. It's, uh, it's way easier to just come up with programs, right? And sure. <laughs> so, right, and I'm, I'm, because you can buy the books. They're yeah. already there. And, uh, and it's way easier to say, look what we've accomplished. Everyone went through this 12-week program that we just came up with, and wow, and now they know more stuff than they used to, and you can point yes. to the successes. And I, let me be cynical for a moment and maybe raise more money for the church and all that, right? Well, but, that's... But then what about... But then... But transformation is hard to... Measure. Measure and pinpoint and say, look, this person... Now, maybe after decades, you can say, or or maybe even after just a few years, but you can say, wow, what a transformation. But it's hard to pinpoint that and point to it as a measure of success and in a programmatic And what is success? Church. Yeah. I mean, one of the greatest joys I have in 12-step work with these different people is when someone recognizes, oh my gosh, I am resentful about that, or I didn't realize I had such, such bitterness... Mm against my parents for whatever. And as they begin to admit that character defect, I guess we would call it sin. If you're holding on to bitterness and resentment, that's a sin. You're supposed to take that off, right? And put on kindness and gentleness. Well, how? Do I just make a intellectual, educational, okay, I'm not supposed to do this, so I'm going to try to do that. You know, putting on the robe of righteousness isn't as simple as it sounds. So when you have time every week when these people come to group and they are willing to share, I realize this um, shortcoming and, oh, I was able to go make amends. You actually can see the ahas Mm. in people's thinking and the recognition and a greater awareness that they want to be transformed. Now, being transformed is like step seven and eight. So it isn't today I do it, but yeah. in working with people now in the last, um, well, since 09 or so, okay. it is exciting to see mm-hmm. recognition and gradual changes. Yeah. Nothing's instant. Sure. But it can't be the old is gone and the new has come and in an instant I'm transformed. Yeah. yeah. That's not real. Yeah. That's not authentic. Um, so you you have seen transformation in people's lives. Like, Tell me about some of the ways without divulging personal right. things or confidential um, things, some of the transformation maybe that you've seen. I can use my own okay. experience. Yeah. My oldest daughter used to tell me I'm so religious and legalistic. Mm. And I just said I was very 
um, committed to mm-hmm. my following Jesus, and therefore my kids had to learn all the laws. If you love God, you'll obey. So I made sure they knew what to obey. Mm-hmm. I kind of skipped the part, I, or I missed the part about why would they love God? Mm-hmm. And so as I have gone through this step for years now, yeah. I realized I was legalistic. I was mm-hmm. very um, controlling yeah. and recognizing that fear and anxiety drive control. Like, oh my gosh, if the kids are going to misbehave, it'll reflect on me. So I have to make sure, don't date a boy too old. Don't wear a dress too short. Don't be too revealing. I read every book and asked five other older women how to raise my kids. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't do it wrong. But by becoming so controlling, the fear of doing it wrong made me very controlling Mm -hmm. to do it in what appeared to be right. What's that verse that says there is a way that appears right to man? Yeah. But in the end is death. Yeah. Yeah. Death of relationship. My oldest daughter wants very little to do with me Mm. because I was so controlling. Mm. Now I can see it. Yeah. And now I can go back and say, you were right. Wow. You were right. So the humbling that isn't humiliating, but recognizing where I was wrong and promptly admit it. Yeah. Um, Wow. So seeing the controlling in my own life, the fear, yeah. when I fear such and such, then I try to control it. Yeah, yeah. But it's an illusion of control yeah. <laughs> because you can't control how other people think, feel, or act. Yeah, yeah. We're not God. Yeah. Um, I thought if I changed enough, I could change my husband's behavior. Mm. Only God can change my husband's heart. Right. So it didn't matter what I did or what I tried. Yeah. I wasn't powerful enough to yeah, change yeah. his um, thoughts or beliefs yeah, yeah. or behaviors. Right. So much of it sounds like surrender, right? Just, yes. Yeah. And we sing, I surrender all, mm. but I want to control my home, my finances, right. my children, my, my persona, right. how I look when I go to church, you know, yeah. over oh, the happy Christian family and, yeah. and I'm active and I serve and my kids are all in Sunday school. And then you're in the car screaming and yelling at each other. Yeah. So that lack of intimacy, that lack of unity. And I think the church has an expectation. I'm a woman of faith. I should have it all together. One of the verses, well, I've learned that Satan trapped me up a lot in verses out of context, extremely applied. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Mm -hmm. Therefore, it must be my job to do all things. Oh, interesting. Oh, no. I am to submit and defer to my husband. Oh, Oh, so I don't have thoughts. I don't have feelings. I don't have Mm -hmm. needs. Submission became a doormat. Wow. My older daughters are determined they will never be like me or let a man treat them mm. like I allowed. Yeah. So they have resentment and bitterness yeah. over yeah. the Christian home they were brought up in. Wow. Which I can look back now and see that addictive thinking is where it's all or nothing. Right. Black or white. Yeah. Yeah. So deferring to my husband, for example, it's parents weekend at a university and your daughter invites you to come. He doesn't want to go. So, oh, I'm not going to go because I'm deferring. Well, Mm. I'm a person. I'm an individual. I could have, as an adult mother, said, it's important to go support my daughter. I'm going to go without you. But the way I had twisted the idea of submission was if he didn't want to do it, we didn't do it. Right. And so Satan is very clever with Christians to take things out of context and extremely apply them. Yeah. 
Yes, the principle of submitting to your husband as a leader. Absolutely. But there's the reciprocal part of that where the husband yeah. is to love you enough to lay down that's his right. life. Yeah, right, right. So when things get out of balance, that's where codependency, which is an addictive behavior. Right. We hear that term thrown yeah. around. I couldn't really describe it. Yeah. But it's when everything I do depends on that other person and right. how they receive it or right. how I feel right. about that. Right. So I do everything for everybody out of my need to be liked or my need yeah. to be affirmed and loved and... I said the church loves codependence because we'll yeah. serve on every committee and do everything mm. because <laughs> you'll like me and I have meaning and purpose. Right. Really, there's an emptiness in my own soul. Yeah. There's a thirst for completion and satisfaction that somehow hasn't been met yeah. by faith right. or by... Um, yeah. I think I got into religiousness as opposed to intimacy with God. Mm. And that's what my kids grew up with, yeah. a religious yeah. laws and rules or doctrines. Right. And punishments, you yeah. were either behaving or not. Right. I didn't have a middle ground. I didn't have a gray. Wow. So it was very damaging. Yeah. Um, that's quite a journey. I'm sorry. That's no. kind of go off. Oh, no, that's great. Because you are not the only person in the world who <laughs> struggles with those kinds of things, right? And Oh, I mean, that's uh, why you yeah. have so many 12-step groups. Yeah. Because most families have dysfunction. In mm-hmm. one of my classes, we did family genograms. If you're mm-hmm. familiar, you look back at yeah, the right, your patterns. History, yeah. But the genogram is history and behavior and not simply um, who I was born of. Begot, begot, begot. We looked at Abraham with Sarah and... Um, I'm blanking on his other wife. So he oh, took uh, in Hagar, Yeah, right. right? Hagar and Sarah, yeah. So Abraham isn't content with trusting God with uh-huh. the one wife to get the promise. So he brings in a second wife. They have two sons. They're feuding and dysfunctional mm, from biblical times. Right. So that has played out because if yeah. we don't look at generational patterns yeah. and we don't recognize yeah. what's unhealthy, yeah. there are a lot of things that are normy, normal that are very yeah. unhealthy. Yeah. And mm. that's where my passion to educate and raise awareness yeah. Um, yes, yeah, that's it great. Goes on well, and on. well. Um, so, a question that some might ask uh, pastors or people in churches mm-hmm. in general might say, "Well, I mean, this is fantastic. Uh, how do I help people in my church to enter into this kind of a discipleship process?" Uh, what do you have any thoughts on that? Yes, my thoughts are it's frustrating. Mm. I've been on an education committee at a church for about three years, and I keep proposing parenting classes and marriage classes or relationship mm. skills classes. And the answer is, well, we need to be biblical. We need to teach more Bible. Everything has to be around the Bible. Mm. Well, that's a good start. Yeah. But that's the information. The Bible yeah. says X, Y, Z. Yeah. Where is the room for discipling, teaching yeah. how to apply the principles? Mm. And... Um, it takes time. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking of last night. We go to church once a week. We are taught from the front. Maybe you go to Sunday school. You're taught from the front. You might answer a couple of questions. Yeah. But until we're willing to create a, a group, a safe space, yeah. um, Henry Nowen calls it, where you can be your authentic self, yeah. which is what 12-step groups do, mm-hmm. you have a topic everybody is invited to share. Yeah. We have what we call no-cross talk. That means when I share my feelings, my frustrations, whatever, no one else is allowed to tell me what to do. They're not there to soothe me mm-hmm. or to solve my problems. Yeah. That is a very unique concept. Yeah. But it takes time. And we're a busy do society. And like you were saying, how do you measure success? Yeah. 
do people want to come to a group like that once a week? It, I spend at least 90 minutes every week with my groups. Mm. Oh, but we only have 45 minutes for a Sunday school hour. And you have mm. to fit in the calendar. Yeah. There was a church I was working with that wanted to do the 12-step program, and it could only be in the 12 weeks that they had between you know Christmas and Easter. Okay. That would be a preview of the yeah. 12 steps. Yeah. But to work the process, you actually might spend two or three weeks or four weeks on one step. Yeah. Yeah. So moving it into the church programming yeah. is a challenge. Yeah. And yet when we talk about discipleship, if 12-step is talking about admitting my wrongs, asking God to take um, those away from me, learning how to confess, learning how to make amends, yeah. admitting, confessing, those are all biblical truths. Yeah. Confessing your sins to one another. That's in James yeah. 5, I think. Yeah. What In your church experience outside of Catholicism, do you see that happen very often? Yeah, no. (laughs) That's a biblical truth. And the 12-step, it's a step that you need to do. You need to go back. And if I were to make my inventory of all these wrongs, then I find a trusted person to share them with. That's scary. And I believe in the church there's a lot of pretense. Like, I've got Jesus, so life should be good. I should have it all together. So that idea that I'm broken or that I'm emotionally unhealthy. Yeah. Well, how can you be emotionally unhealthy if you have Jesus? You know, right. It's like, well, I can because I brought all my family baggage with yeah. me. Yeah. And I didn't know it until it got into my marriage. And then yeah. he brought his baggage. Yeah. And now we're doing things that harm each other yeah. and wound yeah. each other. Yeah. Um, so many marriages are struggling with passive-aggressive behaviors mm-hmm. or indifference mm-hmm. or the inability. For me, I work with the women. So yeah. Yeah. husbands that can't show empathy. Yeah. And the wife is feeling like they're choosing not to show empathy because they're not listening to me. They don't talk to me. They don't share their heart. And yet you find that if you've had a wounded childhood and you Mm -hmm. don't feel safe, if you can't be vulnerable, you don't have the capacity for empathy is what research would show. Wow. So we can learn all the Bible verses we can. But if, like me, you apply them in an unhealthy manner, it just messes kids up again yeah, and especially right. for my kids that don't really want to have a lot to do with christianity mm-hmm. because the way they saw it lived mm-hmm. out wasn't healthy and yeah. so they resisted yeah what an amazing i mean just thinking again transformation it sounds like you've had oh through this yes um i love the phrase god as i understand him hmm. because i think the god of my understanding from childhood I loved going to church as a kid. I went to youth groups. I was in fundamental churches. I was in Bible churches. But in the 12-step, the God of my understanding has a much broader um, path for me. Mm. It isn't know my commands and and love me by obeying. It's I love you, and I want to help you through this. I'm with you in this. He's not a judge. He's not. And in my head, it was always a God of love. However, the understanding of God is deeper. It's kind of mysterious. It wasn't like I didn't have a great knowledge of God. I'd had about 16 years of Bible study Mm. behind me. And and yet that inner intimacy with God, maybe that's what it is, has changed through these steps in this program of taking the time. Yeah, yeah. Maybe weeks to write out an inventory. God, show me. You know, I think it's in Psalm 51. David says, cleanse me and show me if there are wicked things, yeah, you know, in yeah. me. And how often in church do we take that time? Yeah, right, right. 
you know, I'm saved or I'm a worm. Identity mm. is a whole nother thing. Yeah. A lot of churches, I'm a worm. I'm a sinner. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not there anymore. I'm a child right. of God. I'm right. redeemed. Right. And there's working a, on your identity. There's a song that my kids learned. They went to summer camp uh, at Forest Home this summer. Oh, and uh, there's a song. And it's a really nice song. And uh, I'm trying to remember the lyrics. But there's one. The part, well, there's a line that says, um, I don't deserve it. I couldn't earn it. And true. But I feel like I want to add a, a line in there that says, I don't deserve it, but I'm worth it. You know? Yes. Um, yes. Because I think that's what gets lost. I'm. Yes, and, I'm sinful and I'm broken, but I, I'm worth enough to God. Like I'm so valuable. As when God's, you were broken, yeah, in your sin, even then, God loved you yeah. enough to send yeah. Christ to die. Right. I mean, that is an incredible verse out of Romans. Yeah, He didn't say, "Get your act together," and yeah. then come see me. He yeah. says, "I love you. I know you're broken. That's why yeah. I'm here." Yeah. The vital connections verse that I use yeah. is um, from Isaiah. 61, uh-huh. where God says, I've come to free the prisoners, to yeah. give, um, heal the brokenhearted. Yeah. That's what families of addiction are. Yeah. We're captive to our addictive thinking that we don't yeah. even recognize. Yeah. We're blind. We are in pain. And that verse says, I am here to give you hope. Mm-hmm. I've come to set you free. And families of addiction are in bondage. Yeah, yeah. People who are addicted, whether to a substance which we all know um, or to gambling the behaviors to sugar to food why do we get addicted it's because there's a need for something to be loved and affirmed so that song with your kids I don't deserve it it's like none of us deserve it but that's what grace is right right. I love you I want to lavish the father says he lavishes his love I did not lavish love Mm -hmm. my kids you had to behave and then you would earn and Mm -hmm. I had no idea Mm -hmm. I just thought I was being a disciplinarian Well, what did I discipline? I discipled them in performance. Yeah. And you're never enough. Oh. And I don't believe God ever says that to us. Right, right. He says, you're broken, and I'm here to mend you and to pick you up and love you. Right. And to restore you. Right. That's the recovery process. Yeah, that's and that's how you learn that, is by going through that process. It's a process. Yeah. Um, This is a good place. We've covered a lot. and uh, But tell us, uh, just kind of, how people can get in touch with you or maybe become a part. I don't know if you're adding groups or if people are invited into a group or how that works, but maybe you can yeah. share. Just Our groups are that. open groups, which means a newcomer is welcome at any time. Oh. And I have a website called Lydia company. Um, when I found myself divorced and without children in the home, the identity was lost mm-hmm. because my identity was in what I did. Yeah. I was a wife. I was a mom. Yeah. And God graciously spoke one night, Lydia. I was like, who is Lydia? And in Acts 16, she was a woman who loved God, loved the word, had a gift of hospitality, and was a businesswoman. Mm. I'm like, okay, Mm. I can do all that. I I was doing it. I just didn't know. So LydiaCompany.com is my website. It's Hope, Health, and Hospitality. So it covers a variety. The Hope tab is where you would find out about groups or one-on-one counseling. Okay. Um, And starting new groups would be a blessing, um, depending on who's willing to follow the pattern and be trained and feels called. Nice. And do you have an email address or anything people can contact you? They can email um, K-A-Y-E at LydiaCompany.com. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Hey, thank you so much. 
This My was, pleasure. Um, this was great and eye-opening for me and um, hopefully for lots of other people too. And, you know, my hope and my prayer is that this kind of discipleship can get into our churches somehow. Ugh, it doesn't, I don't know how. Maybe but you and I need <laughs> to write some material. Maybe we would. You know, that's not a bad idea. Let's talk more. Yes. But anyway. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Thank but that's you. my prayer. And thank you so much. Uh, thank you for all the amazing work that you're doing, it sounds like. So I'm so grateful it for that. It is a yeah. privilege of God taking ashes and turning it into beauty. Mm-hmm. That's his promise. And it's his work, truly. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to thank Kay for sharing with all of us her thoughts on 12-step discipleship and especially for sharing so vulnerably about her own transformation. Uh, I was thinking about this, uh, just that that kind of vulnerability is so critical for deep inner life transformation. Uh, One of the things I've learned over the years is that you cannot fully become the person you were created to be if you aren't able to honestly assess and confess your own failings and shortcomings. It doesn't mean you uh, have to share your sins with everyone you meet, but that you have someone with whom you can be totally transparent. And that kind of transparency is so healing. Uh, when we find that we're accepted, even with all of our flaws, right? that's how we discover in a whole new way, in a much deeper way, the reality that God loves us, even with all of our flaws. And then we find that the more we experience God's unconditional, non-judgmental love, the more we are able to love ourselves unconditionally and non-judgmentally. And the more we are then able to love others unconditionally and non-judgmentally. And the ability to do that is in many ways at the heart of faithful spiritual leadership. So I want to invite you to visit Kay's website, uh, www.lydiacompany.com, for more information. Uh, Her name, again, Kay Schneider. And uh, you can also check out the show notes for uh, some of these links uh, and other resources mentioned in this episode, uh, www.marcuswatson.com slash category slash podcast. Uh, And so feel free to check that out. And I'd be so grateful if you'd uh, leave a review on iTunes. Uh, A five-star review would be great, but uh, whatever reflects your your honest thoughts on, on this podcast would be wonderful. So thanks so much for joining us again today. And I will see you next time here on Spiritual Life and Leadership. 